Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, and I'm your resident fire here on the podcast. Third year journalism student at the University of Georgia, just finishing up. And about three hours southeast of me, back from the Bananas World Tour, would be my co-host, Mr. Bryson Wheeler, the local ice. Bryson just finished up his third year at Georgia Southern University. Guys, uh, I know, Bryson, you haven't been taking class bananas, but the rest of the crew and I just finished up year three of college. How are we feeling, boys? I think we're all feeling good over here. I'll let them speak for themselves. Yeah, had all, all online classes this semester, so it, was, it wasn't too hard this semester, but I got a few classes online over the summer, so I got to get through those and should graduate next spring. So I'm going hey. to graduate next December. No? Well, how you doing? Good. Good. All right. Um, so this podcast, we're going to run We have a ton to go over. We had not had a podcast in just a little over a month. So this one could be a little longer, but we are back to the basics. Noah's here with a trivia question for us, so hit us with it. All right. So this American League hitter has led the AL in hits the last two seasons and is also leading the MLB in hits this season. Who is it? He still plays in the AL? Yes. Uh, I thought it was Luis Arise or whatever. Uh, yeah. So uh, AL hitter, it's got to be somebody – is it – I don't know, man. I feel like I should know this. I feel like I should know this, too. I don't. <laughs> uh, random guest, uh, Stephen Kwan, Cleveland Indians. No. It's a good guess. Random guest, Randy Rosarena. No. Mm, random guess, uh, I feel like somebody for, like, oh, no. J-Ram. Ooh. No. Vlad Jr. No. I don't know. Who is it? Oh, no, no, no. It's Boba Shet. It is Boba Shet. Ah, <laughs> right team. Wrong player. you said that. That layup was so easy after you said Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump. We will talk a lot about baseball and the Braves, especially in a few minutes. But let's go over the NFL draft first. We have not gotten to talk about it since it ended about a, a week and a half ago or so. But we're going to run over the top ten picks or so right now, highlight a couple others give a steal and a bust from the draft, and talk about the Falcons draft. So let's roll with it. The Panthers, one overall, taking Bryce Young. You know, there's a lot of backlash about Bryce Young because of his height and weight and stuff. And, you know, I I myself am a little concerned about it. But I still think he's a great quarterback, has decent arm strength, elite ball placement, has great mobility. I mean, I'm not worried about Bryce being a good starter in this league. I am a little worried that he may not have one overall potential. But I think he's going to be a top 10, 15 quarterback in the league in the next three or four years and probably continue that for a while, especially if he can stay healthy. What are your thoughts on him, Evan? Well, obviously health is the big concern, but I think Bryce Young's uh, you know, selection at number one is a little bit more to how oversaturated the media likes to talk about the NFL draft. We all collectively knew coming out of the college season, Bryce Young was the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick. And then for months and for months and for months, all we heard is it's going to be C.J. Stroud. It's going to be C.J. Stroud. It's going to be C.J. Stroud. Then as we got closer to the day, well, Anthony Richardson might sneak in. Anthony Richardson might be the guy. And then, a, you know, 24 hours before the, um, you know, the draft itself, they thought Will Levis had a chance to be number one. And at the end of the day, it was always Bryce Young. You know, and that's – it is the smoke screams that the Panthers put up. It's the oversaturation that the media does. It's the same thing that happened to Zach Wilson a couple years ago. I mean, it is just – the over-tuning and the over-dramatization of this draft uh, sometimes is too much when really 
there. Now, you talk about Bryce Young possibly being, you know, not number one potential. And I have to agree with you. I think his stature is something that's really going to harm him in the NFL. Um, it's a conversation that I've had with multiple people, and I, and I think this really kind of puts it in perspective. Um, for all the accolades they had in college, I don't think Bryce Young is any better than Tua Tagovailoa on the next level. Tua obviously has had multiple concussion injuries, and we do not want that for Bryce Young at all. But you have to think of his stature and his smaller size possibly leading to some injury concern. If he can stay healthy, I think he's a top 15, 20 quarterback in the league, probably top half. I'd probably put him top 16. But I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP-type caliber guy like Jalen Hurts, another Alabama quarterback, is. All right, what well, do y'all have thoughts on Bryce Young? Uh, yeah, uh, as the draft got closer and closer to draft day, uh, we figured out Bryce Young was going first overall. And my immediate reaction is, well, the first overall pick was either going to be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. In my opinion, I don't think it was ever going to be uh, shot in the dark like Anthony Richardson is or Will Levis, even though he's – He's got all the talent in the world. I don't think he has everything that rounds him up to make uh, the first overall pick. But I think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is a win-win. Either one goes uh, first overall. I think you did. A, you had a good draft. Uh, Bryce Young goes first, and I can't really complain about the kid. He is a little undersized, and that worries me with the Panthers' offensive line situation. But I'm sure g- going forward, they're going to really reach out and try to protect this man, or he's going to have a short career at – Carolina so but uh, I guess that leads us into the second pick if no one didn't have anything to say bus bus <laughs> all right well yeah let's talk about two and three together because both go to the Houston Texans the Texans ended up trading up to the third spot and taking Will Anderson but right before that that takes CJ Stroud and both of these guys were number one and two on my big board I love both of these guys I would have had Bryce Young at three probably C.J. Stroud, I think, just gets the edge because he's practically Bryce Young, but a bigger stature. And I love C.J.'s arm strength and ball placement. I think he has a chance to be that elite, top-tier quarterback, MVP guy, number one potential. I think Stroud's going to be a top-ten quarterback, maybe not this year yet, but probably the next year and on four for his career. And Will Anderson, on the other side, is just an absolute menace. Ever since he was even a true freshman at Alabama, he just put up scary numbers. And, you know, the funny thing is I think Dallas Turner's following his footsteps at Alabama. We'll get to that next year, though, in the draft. But Will Anderson is an absolute stud. The Texans get two elite players right here. But what are your thoughts on it, Evan? Yeah, so there was a lot of concerns coming into C.J. Stroud, you know, also of the week of the draft. And, again, I, I'm going to keep hammering this over-dramatization that we do. But, you know, the Wonderlick test was the IQ test for so many years. They switched it over to the S2 test or S3 test. I can't remember the exact name this year. And everyone had high marks except C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud had an 18 compared to Bryce Young's 99. And, you know, Anthony Reederson's a But that being said, He's still a phenomenal quarterback. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a genius to play quarterback in the NFL as long as you can learn the playbook and make the right reads, which I think he has the talent to. I think it's a very, very smart play that what the Texans did. And And it didn't even really hit me into after the draft going back and reading through some feedback, but think about it like this. The Texans knew they wanted Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud. This was probably the plan from the beginning or at least, you know, days leading up to the draft. And a lot of people thought, see, you know, Will Anderson would go too. He was the odds-on favorite because uh, they thought there was concerns about Stroud's, you know, mental ability. Well, with that being said, they went ahead and took Stroud at number two, plummeting the price for number three. And Arizona then 
you know, grabbed it, was able to, excuse me, Houston was able to grab it for a much cheaper price versus when CJ Shroud would have been on the board because more teams would have been calling. Um, it was very draft day-esque. I know we kind of use that movie as, you know, lexicon and some jokes due to the um, unfamiliarity and sometimes the improbability of something like what happens in that movie happening in real life. But this is probably about as close as you're going to get. Um, so they, a really good job to the front office in Houston. I thought it was a great thing, and I think it was a great way that they selected it. You know, I think they selected it in the right order to kind of save draft capital in itself. Either of y'all have thoughts on it? Buff. <laughs> C.J. Stroud is QB1, in my opinion, and for him to go two to the Texans is great. I really think the Texans really sealed up their draft, taking uh, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Anybody they picked after that, it wouldn't really matter. They've already won the draft in their minds. But Will Anderson, as Bryson said, has been a menace ever since he stepped on a football field on national television that we got to watch. And C.J. Stroud, like I said, is my QB1, so obviously love that for the Texans as well. All right, well, at number four. My Florida Gators get their first pick off the board. And Anthony Richardson, he goes to the Colts. And I think it's a great fit for him. But here's the thing. Anthony Richardson is either going to be an absolute bust or one of the best players in the NFL in the next couple of years. He has so much potential. I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. He runs a 4-4-40 at 6-4-245 or whatever he weighs in at. I mean, what more could you ask for? But his downsides, he... His accuracy is terrible. He makes stupid decisions, turns the ball over way too much. I, I just – I don't think he's going to be in the middle anywhere. I think he's either going to be one of the best quarterbacks, like a top five quarterback in the league, or he's going to be out of the league in three years. I mean, there's so much that could happen for him. What are your thoughts, though, Evan? See, I don't want to call him the bust of the draft, but I, I fear for his success on the field. Um, the reason I say that is I, I do think he's talented, and I think it would be very asinine to argue that he isn't. He's got all the prototypical makings. He's a huger, bigger, better version of Cam Newton from a physical and athletic standpoint. The problem is, is he didn't really have the success in college that Cam Newton was able to survive. You know, when he went first overall to Carolina in 2010, or whichever draft that was. But the thing that worries me is the Colts. Who on the Colts is going to teach Anthony Richardson to be an NFL quarterback? The only other quarterback on roster right now is Gardner Minshew, and I think Gardner Minshew is a serviceable backup. He had some great years in Jacksonville, and I think he really got a raw into that deal um, before the you know before the Trevor Lawrence trade. Because he... My problem with it is, is Gardner Minshew is not the same type of quarterback they want to make Anthony Richardson into that Anthony Richardson is, could succeed as. And I think that lack of having a mobile dual threat guy in the room uh, is going to be detrimental to his um, development. I think they're going to throw him out there game one and they're going to let him, you know, kind of learn by, you know, trial by fire. And I think it's going to burn him and it's really going to create some uh, bad highlights uh, for Anthony Richardson here in year one. As for the future, I think he can, but he needs to find some type of development leader mentor uh, really in that locker room to kind of show him the ropes of the professional game. Well, Noah, I can guess what your one word about it is going to be. So, Jackson, you're up next. <laughs> uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts. Uh, I don't really hate the pick, only because he fits their scheme. The Colts never are going to go out there and throw for 350 yards, 400 yards in a game. And that really helps AR because they're not really depending on his arm as much as some other teams here in the draft. If Anthony Richardson doesn't throw a single pass, I know the Colts are going to get 250, 300 on the ground regardless of how he performs. But uh, I know it's a 
Anthony Richardson is a big project guy. He's got a rocket arm. One of the best prospects we've ever seen at, at the quarterback position. But uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts, it's, it's got a question mark on it. That's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, huge upside, but huge, huge risk. And I'm going to run over the next three picks really, really quick and get y'all's opinion on Then we'll get to the Falcons pick. We're going to go with the Seahawks at five. Take Devin Weatherspoon, quarterback out of Illinois. One of the best cornerbacks in this draft. I mean, arguably the best. Good pick there. At six, the Cardinals get Paris Johnson, offense tackle out of Ohio State. Paris Johnson was a guy that was talked about preseason as being, you know, one of the top picks in the draft. Really didn't hear much about him through the season. Then, you know, right back at the top, there he is. And then at seven, one of the – I mean, Tyree Wilson, nobody had really ever heard of him much throughout the year. Gets tons of buzz after the year. Everybody's really high on this edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Going to the Raiders right here. Another good pick at seven. What are your thoughts on those three, Evan? So just to quickly run over it, uh, I think the Cardinals had a really good draft. You know, moving back uh, from three to 12 and then back up to six to take Paris Johnson. I think that they didn't really lose much of the capital they gained from Houston by going back up to six with Detroit. Um, so I think that's a really good pick for them. I think that's who they wanted for the beginning, and they they made some draft capital off of it as well. Devin Weatherspoon at five was a little high for me. I don't think it was a bad pick, but it was the first kind of like person of the draft that really threw me for a loop, the first pick that came in, and I was very intrigued by it. I think he's going to have a successful career. Uh, him and Tyreek Woodland are going to have a really – it's going to be a really locked down secondary, I believe. But I think it was a very, um, I, I guess, confusing – not confusing pick, but surprising pick. And then at seven, Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson is this year's Trayvon Walker. Um, I'm not saying that he – Trayvon Walker was a serviceable NFL player last year. I think Tyree Wilson will be as well. But I think they both got a little bit higher than they probably should have been uh, due to just some offseason and combine buzz versus, you know, infield or in-game success. All right. Well, let's run over the Falcons pick at eight real quick. And it's B. John Robinson running back out of Texas. I mean, B. John's another guy ever since he stepped on a football field in college was just an absolute stud, put up insane numbers, big back, fast, agile. I mean, one of the best running back prospects we've seen in a while. But here's the thing. I don't like the pick here at eight for the Falcons. I think the Falcons could have went, you know, much more position of needs. They just drafted a thousand yard rusher last year in Tyler Algier. You know, everybody says don't draft first-round running backs, especially, you know, in the top ten. They want to be John, that's fine. I would have tried to trade back a little bit for him. think you could have got him a little later. I do think B. John is going to be a great player for the Falcons, so I just don't like the pick in the top ten. I think he's going to be absolute stud fantasy-wise. Great pass catcher as well. think he's going to be a top ten player in fantasy. think he's going to put up great numbers. I just don't think the Falcons needed him right here at eight. What are your thoughts on it, Evan? So, I'm looking at my Falcons hat right now, and um, I think it's very – I like the pick. I do. I, I want to start off that. I think Bijan is a great playmaker. I think he makes your offense one of the youngest, deadliest offenses in the league. Um, and I think what it does, at least from my opinion, is it feels two holes uh, – or not. it feels two purposes, not holes. Uh, the first purpose was Arthur Smith has always wanted his Derrick Henry. I think this is his version of it from when he was in Tennessee – and, and it really allows Arthur Smith, you know, there's no questions anymore. He has his team. The team is his team. It's very similar to what he would have had in Tennessee when they were successful. It's his make-or-break year. He has to produce results or he might be on the hot seat. At the same time, I think another thing is it really does is it really proves – it puts Desmond Ritter in a proof, 
prove it year. He's going to get a full season. He's the unquestioned QB1. He's got a quote-unquote top five, top ten tight end. He has a young talent in Drake London. He has two tight ends now in Junu Smith and Kyle Pitts. He's going to have three great backs between Cordell Patterson, Tyler Algier, and B. John Robinson. He should be able to make this offense high-flying and scoring. And if he can't, the Falcons are probably going to be looking next year at a quarterback. So I think that's the two purposes it serves. You say that we probably should have traded back. And going into the draft when we made the pick at eight, that was my thought process too. I like the guy. I'm glad we got him. I wish we would have got back some draft capital and B. John Robinson. You say that, but I'm going to skip a little bit ahead. Jamar Gibbs goes off the board at 12 to Detroit. What that leads me to believe is if Bijan was still on the board at 12, Bijan is a lion. Um, so that's something I think that was worth noting in hindsight, but I agree with your assessment that when the first pick happened, I was glad we got him. Maybe a little you know, sad that Jalen Carter goes the next pick at nine. Uh, we didn't try, but I think there's some stuff there that I can talk a little bit about when we get there. Um, but I like the pick. I think he's a great player. I think he's an immediate impact player this fall. But I would have kind of rather him a little bit later in the draft, if at all possible. Jackson? Uh, we were sitting there on the clock. We had about one minute left on the clock, and I was praying to the gods that Jalen Carter would be wearing red and black once again. But when B. John Robinson was picked to the Falcons, I didn't necessarily hate it, like Evan is saying. I think it was slightly early, but at the same time, B. John Robinson is a top five, top three player in the draft this year, and I think we're all in an agreement there. Uh, he's probably a, he's a top two player outside of the quarterback position. For sure. But I would have hoped for Jalen Carter here. He, Our biggest problem last year, and it has been for the past five, ten years, has been our defense. It's always been our defense. We've always been able to score a solid amount of points. But I know uh, B. John Robinson is that workhorse cow, cowbell back that uh, Artie Smith has always wanted and his Derrick Henry replacement. And uh, as Bryson said, he's going to have he's going to have 1,600 scrimmage yards and handful of touchdowns this year and he's going to be a monster with a with our offensive line I know we picked up uh some guards and some tackles throughout the draft as well so that's just going to help B. John Robinson even more all right well let's move on to number nine Jalen Carter to the Eagles I mean you know he was arguably going to be the number one overall pick for the longest time ended up getting a little bit of trouble and you know, a lot of stuff about his pro day was said about him skipping drills and not performing well in them, and all of that ended up making him drop all the way to nine. I think he's definitely still one of the greatest talents in this draft class, but there are a lot of question marks looming around him now. I think nine to the Eagles was a great pick, or to the Philadelphia Bulldogs. But uh, what are your thoughts on it, Evan? Yeah, it's a perfect situation. He gets to go back and reunite with college teammates. Um, it's really going to create a successful place for him. There will be people that will hold him accountable. It makes Philly that even more dangerous next year. Um, you know, you kind of, you know, we'll get a little bit ahead here, but they take Nolan Smith at 30. They take Keithley Ringo in the fourth round. Uh, really pick five guys, uh, you know, all at different positions uh, to really fill out this Philadelphia Eagles roster and defense. Uh, they were inches away from a Super Bowl last year. I think these guys could put them over the edge. They tried to take Glenn Schumann this offseason. 
away from Georgia. Glenn turned it down thanks to a raise from Kirby Smart. So they just took his players instead. I, I think it's actually not a bad blueprint. We'll see how it works at the next level. But, you know, you saw how college teammates work for the Cincinnati Bengals who made it to the Super Bowl. Maybe the Eagles defense can, you know, replicate some of that magic and finally get over the hump and win another one. But what I wanted to bring up is this is something that I'm not confirming. This is something that I was that was told to me. Uh, and I'll explain my source. My professor is uh, Mr. Orlando Ledbetter, great professor, really glad to have him this semester. He's also the AJC reporter for the Falcons. Um, so he knows Arthur Smith, and he has full media availability and credentials. And he, he told me in, a, in our exit interview, we had to do an exit interview, and I, and I asked about the draft, and I said, was it always Bijan? And he said, yes. And the reason it was was because Kirby not to take Jalen. Now, I cannot confirm Kirby said that, but I can confirm that Arthur Smith was telling people that. I don't know why. I never got an explanation. But if the man tells you not to take somebody, maybe you don't take them. So that's something I think is worth keeping an eye on as we see Jalen Carter blossom into a prospect here in the league. All right, Jackson, what's your thoughts? Uh, Jalen Carter was a top-two defense player in the draft this year, uh, just behind Will Anderson, in my opinion. But uh, – like I said, I was hoping Jalen Carter would fall to the Falcons at eight, but we slip up, slip up and give them to the Eagles in their stacked North Athens roster on defense. And uh, if you already had three, what, three or four Georgia players as it is last year, why not add the best player from last year's defense as well? All right. Well, at 10, to round it out, the uh, Chicago Bears take Darnell Wright offense tackle out of Tennessee, get a little protection for Justin Fields. I like the pick here. What are your thoughts, Evan? I like it too. Surprised it wasn't Skaronsky because I saw a lot of um, a lot of mocks and a lot of rumors that Skaronsky was the guy that the Bears wanted. Was a smokescreen. They steal Darnell Wright from you know the Steelers because the Steelers are really high on him. And Skaronsky goes one pick later to the Titans. It was a very interesting pick to take Darnell over Skaronsky. I'm not disagreeing with it. I think Darnell Wright is a really good guy. Skaronsky, you know, was probably going to end up being a guard at the next level. Uh, but I think it was a very intriguing pick to see Darnell go that high into the top ten. All right. So now let's jump in some of the Falcons draft picks real quick. And we already talked about B. John Robinson running back out of Texas, how great we think he's going to be, even though we don't really love the pick. But let's talk about the other – Five draft picks that they got. Matthew Bergeron, offense lineman out of Syracuse. I do not know much about him. I'm sure you do, and we'll get your take on it later. Zach Harrison in the third round. I love Zach Harrison personally. Defensive end out of Ohio State. 6'6", 272, large human being. He had put up great numbers this year in Ohio State. Think he's going to do it in the NFL. Clark Phillips, one of the best DBs in all of college football the last two years out of Utah, goes to them in the fourth round. Love the pick there. DeMarco Hellams, another really good DB for Alabama this past year, goes to him in the seventh. And then Javon Gwynn in the seventh round, offensive lineman out of South Carolina. So give us your take on some of these draft picks. Yeah, so first off, I think the Matthew Bergeron pick is a huge pick. I think he was, I thought he was going to sneak into the first round. Uh, he's a French-Canadian guard who played at Syracuse. He's really – or excuse me, he was a tackle in college. He's going to play guard. Kind of shores up the offensive line's future. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal pick, a great steal. Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison kind of fills that D-line requirement that we kind of passed on Jalen Carter in the first round, really addressed another good steal. My, my pick of the draft uh, was Clark Phillips in the, in the fourth round. The fact that he was still there and the fact that Keely Ringo was still there too. Both of those guys are really – 
you know, they were first round talents at one point. Everyone thought they never escaped day two. And they're sitting there in round four. They trade up to get him. I think it's a great pick. Um, those four I'm really excited about. Helms, he was a leading tackler for Alabama last year. He's a good safety. He'll probably find a backup role. And then the South Carolina offensive lineman, he's going to be fighting for a spot, but I think he's going to get a chance uh, to really provide some depth for our, you know, our offensive line. Jason, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, after Bijan, we go uh, the guard out of Syracuse just to help our offensive line. We all know we're going to run the ball 25, 30 times a game at least. And then we go ahead and help our D-line with Zach Harrison. Clark Phillips, he is a – as y'all said, I don't know much about him. You said he's been a great player at Utah, one of the best corners in the league, and I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I think two years ago he was in the top three running for the nation's top – the Jim Thorpe Award or whatever it is. He may have even won it. Yeah, he's the defending Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, guys. Okay, see. I guess he could play. Uh, DeMarco Helms, uh, I'm looking at his description. He's more of a more of a run stopper, so I can see how that fit helps us. We've been gashed by the run the past three, four years, and I'm sure he could help slow down the run game on defense. All right, so now let's give a steal of the draft and a bust of the draft. I will go ahead and start us off with a steal, and I could not come up with one. So I'm actually going with a trio of defenders who were taken in the 40s, the early 40s in the draft. I'm going to start off with Isaiah Foskey going to the Saints. Foskey is a defensive end out of Notre Dame, and he put up really, really good numbers two years ago. Was talked about being a top 10 pick this past year. Had a couple injury issues, didn't get on the field a, a whole lot this year, but he put up great numbers when he's on the field. I think he's going to be a steal to the Saints. B.J. Ojolari, another edge rusher uh, going to the Cardinals out of LSU, brother of Aziz Ojolari. I think he's another great pick by the Cardinals. And then the last one I want to talk about going 45th overall to the Lions is Brian Branch. Brian Branch really blossomed into a great player at the end of the year for Alabama this past year. I think he's going to be a great NFL player. What is your still of the draft, Evan? Yeah, it's going to be a little homer, but I think both these Georgia players uh, really, first off, it's kind of a – first off, I'll, I'll start off. Nola Smith should have never been on the board at 30. I don't – I mean, it's a steal. He was going to fall, but it's a great pickup. He's a great locker room guy. He's going to be phenomenal for the Eagles, really, with the rest of his teammates there. But I'm going to go all the way to the seventh round. Now, I don't like who picked him. Kenny McIntosh did not deserve – that guy is a prototypical NFL back if you designed him in a lab, and that's why the Seahawks took him. The Seahawks had already drafted earlier in the day uh, Zach Charbonnet, and they also already have Kenneth Walker from last year. It's going to be a crowded room. But the Seahawks understood the talent that Kenny McIntosh has. He understands the prototypical build. He's going to be a phenomenal player on the next level. Next level, Whether that's in Seattle or somewhere else, he is going to get an opportunity and he's going to flourish. I think he is a great pickup in the seventh round. Almost one of the last picks of the draft. Seahawks understood what talent and massive, you know, under 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 drafting that people have been doing and they and they stealing right before the clock turns midnight. All right, Jackson, what's your steal? I actually have two steals and they're both in the second round. First, I'm going to say Michael Mayer to the Raiders at pick 35. I think he's a great replacement of Waller because he went to the Giants. Yes, yes. Michael Mayer to the Raiders replaces Waller. He's a great blocker and he can. He can catch a lot of passes, as we've seen in Notre Dame. He's been their leader in catches for the past, what, three three or four? At least. As as long as he's been there, he's been their leading catcher. And uh, I'm going to go 
Osarns Torrance to the Bills. I forgot Big O. That was going to be one of my. He's been projected. He was a top projected top ten pick for months after the season, and then he just somehow fell to the second round. And I think that's really going to help the Bills' run game. They really haven't had a phenomenal run game outside of uh, Josh Allen, but I think it's going to help. Uh, who did they sign from the Patriots? Oh, oh Harris. Damian Harris. Damian Harris is. Re- Running behind Osiris Torrance is really going to help their run game. Yeah. Osiris Torrance. Yeah. Yeah. When did David Harris go to the Bills? He's, I'm pretty sure he's he, been at the Bills. So. Yeah. Oh. All right, Noah, you have a steal of the draft. I do. The best corner in the draft going 17 to the Patriots. I don't know how he fell. That's far Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. He's a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal player. And he ends up going third cornerback off the board, which I don't get. Compared to AJ Terrell. Compared to AJ Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about a bust of the draft. And this one was really hard for me to come up with because I I had two right at the beginning of the draft, and it was Brian Brzee and Will Levis. But Brzee ended up falling to 29, and Levis ended up falling into the second round. So I'm not really going to say that them are going to be a bust because they fell. But um, I'm going to go to Will McDonald, 15th overall to the Jets. I'm not going to lie, Evan. Now, I have not been able to watch as much sports as I have liked to over the last I don't know him either. I have no idea who that guy is. Exactly. (laughs) And that almost scares me because he's probably going to be an actual stud. But I'm going to say that he's my bust because I've never heard of Will McDonald. He's an edge rusher out of Iowa State. I mean, the Jets, you know, had that awesome draft last year. I think they might have messed up here at 15. What's so, your birth, Evan? So as you guys know, I, I make a mock draft every year, and I had some bets on where people would go. And I had Will McDonald uh, 34th overall. Uh, just because I had heard the name, I had heard there was buzz on him that he might – and I thought he might climb into the first round. You know, maybe a Saints. I thought Brian, I thought him to the Saints was a decent pick. Um, and I was sitting there watching the draft, and I got Nolan Smith 15th overall to the Jets. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this is it, about to cash in you know, get some money. And they picked Will McDonald. And I sat there and I went, who in the world is that guy? And I went back and looked. And I can tell you, not, I don't really like him. I don't think he's a good prospect. He's, he's, he's an Anthony Richardson-type project. He is, he is athletic. He has the field, but his success on the field was very underrated. He did not perform good. So I'm right there with you. But I was going to go three picks later to the Detroit Lions with Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is a really serviceable linebacker. Iowa has a great history of turning out great prospects, and I think he'll be a serviceable pick. No one and their mother, I don't care, other than Dan Campbell himself, probably thought that Dan, that Jack Campbell was going to go anywhere in the first round. Is there a relationship to Dan and Jack Campbell? That might I don't be know. Wrong. But still, it doesn't matter if they were father and son. That kid did not deserve to go in the first round. Nothing against him. I wish him the best, and he'll probably be a serviceable linebacker in the league. But there is no way in the heck I would have took him 18th overall. All right, Jackson. I don't, I don't necessarily think he's a bust, but I think it was not the right pick in this situation. I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs to I the Lions. Agree. To the mm-hmm. Lions. They've already had a stacked backfield with Swift and Swift they gone. Swift. I, I was getting there. They had Swift and Montgomery. They obviously knew they were getting rid of Swift, so he packed up and packed up and shipped up. Shipped Shipped him off to Philadelphia. The rest of the teammates. Yeah. <laughs> they drafted Jameer Gibbs, who is not your workhorse running back, who is 
they really only draft him to be a pass catcher. Because David Montgomery is going to be the first down back. And he's just going to replace DeAndre Swift in the pass game. So at 12th overall, you're picking a pass catcher who's only going to tote the ball at most 12 times in a game. Yeah, I mean, I like Jameer Gibbs. I think he's a really good player. He's a worldly talent, but... At 12 overall, I totally agree. He's an undersized running back who is just a pass catcher. Not the the entire Lions first round draft pick for very confusing. The Lions have drafted so well the past two, three years, and then... Hey, they got the still of the draft, in my opinion, Brian Branch at 45. So, Same old line. They finally got it right in the second round. All right, Noah, do you have a bust? I do. I'm going with the most overhyped receiver in the draft. I'm going with the Ohio State oh my receiver. Gosh. I'm done. I'm done. Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigga. No! No! Quitty? No! <laughs> no. I'm not saying it's a No! It's a good no. bust. No. No, oh. you're done talking. Take him off my podcast. No. He's not allowed to talk anymore. He's, he's not going to be great. He's, I'm going to be honest. No, he's not. He's not that fast. He's a he has solid hands. He's a solid route runner. Tell me what he does phenomenal. Get yards and touchdowns, and that's all you really when, need to do. You had 340 yards and five touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. He played with Marvin Harris. I don't care he about played what, like two games with Marvin Harris. I don't care what he did against Utah when they scored 59 or whatever it was. No, yeah, he scored I, freaking 35 of that. I think JSN's actually a top five or six player in this draft. So. Oh, well, yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. But but you can't be mad at the Seahawks drafting him at 20 when he was projected to go 11th or 12th. I'm not saying it's a bad like, spot for him. I'm saying he's not going to be a good player. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you're done. All right, yeah, let's uh, move on to something okay. else after that. All right, oh, Noah, Noah always seems to add in something like that to the podcast that just spices it up. So, thanks, Noah. It's um, the entire night, guys. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the MLB if we have nothing else about the draft. And we can all agree on the Braves, I think. They're so, the best. Exactly. So, let's talk oh, about No, 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 no. Eat your words, Bryson. Which ones? <laughs> Braves aren't going to be good this year. Uh, we might hey. finish like third in the division. Hey, no, the last podcast that we did before it started, I said I've changed my mind and I picked us to win 93 ball games and win the division. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Go back and listen. But I am also still concerned because we usually don't play this good until July. So what's going to happen in July? I've seen this day today. Our last 162 games, we've won 109 games. So I think Braves are off to a hot start like we finished last season. I think we're in a good spot right now. We're pitching well. Max Freed has just been out of this world. Bryce Elder. I was about to say Bryce Elder started. As being Spencer Strider. Bryce Elder. I didn't even know he was this good, but he's got like <laughs> he a, don't know he's, he's got a one one ERA at the moment. But yeah, let's jump into a little more and let's talk about the top two players in all of baseball in Fangraphs War and position players. And let's start off with our new acquisition in Sean Murphy. And boy has he been good so far. I mean, he you know the defensive side that he's gonna bring to it and how great he is defensively. But let's talk about his offense real quick. He has nine homers so far on the early season, 28 RBIs, batting 282 with a 1.047 OPS. I yeah, mean, he, just, he just won NL player of the week. Yes, uh, he's been phenomenal. And then let's talk about Ronald Acuna, who won NL player of the month. And 
he he's uh they, them two are one and two in Fangraphs war this year. Acuna is batting three thirty eight with a nine eighty two OPS. Only six homers so far, but he has how many stolen bases? Fifteen stolen bases he has already. Oh, I mean, right. he's well on his way to a forty four season if he can pick up in the home run total just a little bit. So Evan, yeah, but he might, he might go thirty sixty, which is just as impressive in my opinion. Absolutely. But what are your thoughts on them two so far? So first off, Ronald Acuna is back, and that's the scariest thing in the league. Um, if you if you got a chance to watch the game yesterday, the play he made from the outfield to throw out the Orioles runner, go, trying to steal third base from the 11th inning, was just about as perfect as somebody could throw a baseball. And he did it effortlessly, and he just like tipped his cap and went back to playing baseball. I mean, the man is just an absolute machine. Uh, his nickname of El Bistador is very uh, on brand because the kid's just a beast, plain and simple. And, you know, they were talking about it on the broadcast yesterday. And I and I think it's something that we kind of forget sometimes is a lot of people talk about, oh, he's a five-tool player. He's a five-tool player. He's five-tool. There's not that many five-tool players, actually. We use that word a little too generously sometimes. But it's very accurate when it comes to number 13 for the Braves. That kid can run. He can hit. He can catch. He can throw. I mean, he can hit for power. It's just an absolute five-tool machine that we have in the right field for the Braves. Also, and I mean this just so nicely, do you think the Oakland Athletics are just scared to pick up the phone from Atlanta anymore? Like, do they just – do they have Alex Anthopoulos number blocked at this point? Because they should, if so. Because we traded – we got Sean Murphy for pennies, signed him for pennies, and now he's literally the best player in baseball. I think they did and, that on purpose. Let's be real. They just yeah, want probably. to get out of – the <laughs> yeah, they got their wings. We haven't, even, we haven't even talked about that. Oakland's probably moving to Las Vegas, so RIP the athletics. And how many years straight have I called that one? Because I'm yeah. going to work sometime in the future, I'm telling you. We said that – we called that when the, when the Raiders moved to the Vegas, too. We said, wait, A's are going, too. Yep. Um, so, I mean, just – wow. I mean, great working. Who do we trade again for Murphy? I can't even remember Pache. Pache, who just got traded to the Phillies for a lever. No, he didn't even get tra- – I didn't think he got traded. I thought he got cut. He got traded for a lever to the Phillies. We got rid of Contreras in that trade. Yeah, it's okay. I think it's okay. I think it's a solid replacement, though. <laughs> I think Murphy's done it. Would okay. Pache was in the Olsen trade. You're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my bad, my bad. So, for Sean Murphy, we ended up giving up – William Contreras, who went to the Brewers. We still don't know how they. I still don't know how they. Justin Yeager to the Brewers. Um, who? Danny Pena to who? the Brewer, uh, to the A's. Kyle Muller, and Brady Carnook, and Robbie who? Salinas, all who went to the A's. So we gave up Kyle Muller and Contreras. Contreras is lighting it up, isn't he? He is. I'm happy for him. All His right. brother, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about some more hot hitters on the Braves lineup. And Matt Olson. I mean, he has 10 homers so far, leading the team this year with a 900 OPS. Um, Austin Riley, I mean, he's not putting up Austin Riley numbers, but he still has six homers on the early season with a 750 OPS. Um, I know he's super, super struggled early in the season, still struggling, but getting very hot at – for the last three or four games, Marcelo Zuna, who has six homers now on the early year, still batting one forty six though. With hey, this is all a plan to get him this trade bait, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, 
And then let's talk about some of the new acquisitions for this year that are coming off the bench or even getting a lot of playing time in left field and center field. In Sam Hilliard, Kevin Pillar, and Eddie Rosario, all three have been really good so far, a lot better than I think anyone expected them to be, especially Sam Hilliard. And Hilliard's a guy, if you go back and look at his stats, he has not put up bad numbers before he came to the Braves. He's just never really been given a chance. He was a pretty high draft pick, just never quite panned out. But who knows what he could be if he gets, you know, an everyday role for the Braves in the yeah, eventually, and I mean, obviously, this lineup's awesome. And, you know, one thing that I want to say is I, I need to – I'm not eating words, but I, I think we all need to collectively take a moment and understand that we did not know what baseball was when we tried to argue that Shoemaker and Von Grissom were the future at the shortstop position. Orlando O.C. has been great. I mean, I, him alone yesterday that game made about three defensive plays that Von Grissom would have never imagined. And, and, and I hate to bash on Vaughn because I, I like him. I, I got to interview him at the Stripers game. I think he's a, I think he's a cool cat, and I, I'm really excited. But he, he will not be an Atlanta Brave unless he moves positions. He will not be an Atlanta Brave. He's not a shortstop. I don't think he's athletic enough to play left field every day. He's a second baseman through and through, and no one will upset Ozzie Albies as Ozzie's having a great campaign here in 2020. Vaughn is a trade piece. I think Shoemaker could be a future piece. Maybe. I've got to see him pan out. He's only played like one game. Um, but uh, I think the Von Grissom time in Atlanta is ticking. Uh, I don't know so much about that. I mean, they're sending them back to the minors, and I think they plan on him being a utility guy or maybe even your everyday left fielder if the power comes along. I think what we saw from Von Grissom last year really sparked people's you know, thoughts about what he could be. I, I think he's still going to be a brave for a while, and I think he's going to be a really good player in the future. Not a stud and probably not a shortstop or maybe even middle infielder, but I think he could be your everyday left fielder or that utility guy who just brings everything together. But, Jackson, what are your thoughts on the Braves' offense as a whole so far? I mean, Ron Acuna, when he's playing and he's healthy, he's the best player in baseball. I mean, at the moment, he's batting three thirty-eight with uh, 15 stolen bases, six homers. We've already mentioned that, 983. OPS. I mean, he's just the best player in baseball. Ozzie Alves started out slow this year, but has picked it up. He's batting 283, and he's second in hits in the team right now. Austin Riley, not not putting up the greatest numbers, but he's still batting 246 with 750 OPS, as we've mentioned. But uh, going back to Von Grisham, the kid's only 22 years old. And I think Evan's just used to the Braves bringing up prospects and them being a uh, rookie of the years. I think we got spoiled with Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. But the kid's only 22 years old, and he lit it up last year in the few at-bats he's had, so we know he has it in him. I think we just got to give him a few more years to develop, and I think he's going to be a brave in the year's future. And, I mean, who knows? I, it, Bryce Elder did not throw enough last year to be a rookie, did he? I think I mean, he did. I mean, let me check his stuff. Gus did. You have to throw 50 innings. He threw 54. So, I was going to say he could be that rookie of the year guy. But – Let's hop over to the pitching real quick and talk about it. And I am so glad for one thing. I'm just starting off with this, that Rosel Iglesias is back. In my opinion, oh my he is the best reliever in baseball. I said it all of last year when he had like a .34 ERA for the Braves. So far in his few outings this year since coming off an of injury, he has not allowed a run. He's an absolute stud. But let's talk about the top of the Braves rotation, who has been awesome so far, and Bryce Elder. With a 174 ERA and 30, uh, 
three wins to zero losses. Uh, his whip is 1.11. And then I want to talk about Spencer Strider as well with a 270 RA, 4-0 record, and a .93 whip. Them two have been absolutely electric this year so far to, to go along with Max Freed and Kyle Wright when they have been healthy. Has been awesome. Charlie Morton in the rotation has been much better than I expected this year. So what are your thoughts on the Brave starters? We're deadly. I mean, just flat out, let's call it what it is. We're deadly. Max Freed is is a, is a true solidified ace. Bryce Elder is maybe might be this year's Kyle Wright, just somebody who shows up out of nowhere and just becomes it. Kyle Wright's been hurt, but he hasn't pitched bad when he has. And Spencer Strider, but Spencer Strider's must see TV. I, I watch Braves games, and I've been watching a lot more this season, and I'm very happy that I've had the time to. But if Spencer Strider's playing, I'm making time to watch. I mean, he is just electric. I mean, the man has had, what, no less than eight strikeouts at the start so far this year? He's carried two no-hit-slash-perfect-game bid into the seventh innings already? He's going to get it. And that might be my hot take that I might go ahead and say, Spencer Strider throws a no-hitter this year, guys. There's just no way he does it, right? Like, there's just, there's just no way that after in five starts, he's already carried two bids into the seventh inning. He's got to get it once, right? My only worry with him is he does throw a lot of pitches in a lot of his starts. And combined no-hitter, I think, will be a lot more possible. But, I mean, there are a lot of games that he's at 100 pitches in the fifth or sixth inning. Well, I just don't know. Well, when you're striking out every other batter, oh, exactly. you're going to run up your pitch count. Exactly. And that's my only worry about him getting a no-hitter. Combined no-hitter, I think – is very, very possible. Complete game no-hitter, I'm not fully sure. If, if Spencer Strider throws a complete game no-hitter, he's, he's striking out 17 people, guys. <laughs> it's going to be so quick. Against the Rockies at, at last least. year, 16. All right, well, let's talk about the bullpen real quick. And outside of A.J. Minner and Lucas Luecki, they've been really, really solid. Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez, Nick Anderson, Kirby Yates, Joe Jimenez, Michael Tonkin. I mean, I never even heard of Tonkin before this year, and he's been good. Colin McHugh, Rosel Iglesias, like I said, just getting him back. I mean, the Braves' bullpen has been so much better than I thought they would be this year, and you're only going to get better with Iglesias getting back. I think A.J. Minner's going to turn it around very soon. I don't expect his struggles to continue. So what are your thoughts on the bullpen? We're we're phenomenal. The night shift's pretty good, and they're only going to get better next year with Matzik coming back. But, man, can we talk about the absolute legend that is Jesse Chavez? I mean, that dude is dirt poor every other franchise he's been with. But when he puts on that Braves hat, he is locked down Mariano Rivera. I mean, it is crazy how much better he is when he plays for the Braves than he does for other teams. It's insanity. But he is a great guy. I mean, what was it, first 10 or 11 appearances he didn't allow a run? I mean, like, just something. And he's, what, 39 years old or something? I mean, he's just old, comes in, does his work, and goes back to the bullpen and sits there, man. I mean, he is just an absolute unit, and I'm so glad he plays for them. All right. Well, Jackson, do you have any other thoughts on the Braves? Yeah, just like you were saying, everybody in the pen is lights out besides maybe Minerays. He, he's had a slow start to start the year. Litke has been uh, so-and-so in his few starts. But I was worried about Iglesias after coming off injury. And then I watched his one inning the other day, two strikeouts in like 12 pitches. And I was like, oh, well. I guess he's all right. I think we're fine with him. Yeah, he's pretty fine. Um, let's run over a couple of the surprising teams in the National League, or, well, in all of baseball real quick. And I want to start in the American League. And I want to talk about the top two teams in the American League East. 
the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. You could have won a lot of money if you had picked them two to be one and two in that order in at the beginning of the season. Tampa Bay Rays are sitting here at 28 and seven. I mean, they just have so much young talent. Randy Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lau, uh, former Braves pitcher Christian Bethencourt, Wander Franco, Josh Lowe. I mean, on and on and on with this young talent. Their starting pitching has been absolutely awesome. And then second, Baltimore sitting here at 22 and 12. They've been absolutely shocking so far. I mean, they've got all the young talent in the world that you could think of. The whole American League East is above 500, as everybody would have expected, probably, except for maybe the Orioles. But that division is loaded and it's going to be a fun one to watch. Some other surprising teams I want to talk about. And this is something I just found out, even though the record is still not great. The Miami Marlins are sitting in second place in the National League East, tied with the Mets. The Phillies have been a lot worse than I thought they'd be. They're three games under 500. The Pirates are sitting at 20 and 15. They had the best record in the National League heading into this weekend, but struggled as the Braves swept as well. And now they're sitting at 20 and 15, but still leading the NL Central as the Cardinals, who have really shocked me, have been absolutely all four under 11 and 24. And then I'll, the last thing I want to talk about is in the National League West, you have the Diamondbacks who are sitting at 19 and 15, which is shocking to me. And then the Giants who have struggled handily and are at 15 and 18. But Evan, why don't you run over some of that and what surprises you out of those I mentioned? Well, the Rays, awesome. Is Bethencourt catching for them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I figured. Um, but just – They've been all awesome. Just an absolute shock. So happy for him. Randy Arozarena Arosa, really just said it's still the World Baseball Classic, and he's been hitting the cover off the ball. The Orioles, nice surprise. Thought they might take this next step this year. We'll see how the season plays out. I'm a little worried they might take some, some growing pain somewhere in the season and, and have a little bit of a losing streak, but hopefully not. I'm excited to see them back to relevancy. The Phillies, bums. Marlins, bums. Mets, bums. National bombs. I mean, they're just – the NL East is not as good as I thought it would be, you know, 35 games into the season. It's a long season. We'll see. Uh, some teams pick some up. Oh, I'm not complaining. Uh, the Pirates, man. Andrew McCutcheon going home has been a rejuvenation for that franchise. They keep Brian Reynolds when everyone thought he was going to be traded. Uh, the Pirates are really making some steam, and they could be some – I think they're here to stay. I don't know if they're going to win that division, but I think they do sneak into the playoffs somehow, some way. The Diamondbacks in the West. I think that's a huge uh, upset. Uh, don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I think they're in due, they're due for a losing streak as well, but we'll see uh, as the season really continues. Um, the Cardinals are a mess, man, and I would have never expected that. I didn't think they'd be good. I thought they'd be middle of the pack, kind of in the wild card hunt, but they have just been abysmal. I mean, I don't know if the Nats and the Cardinals played tomorrow who I'd pick to win. <laughs> so, I mean, just really some problems in St. Louis. All right, Jackson, do you have any thoughts on any of those teams? Uh, yeah, yeah. just looking at the American League as the Rays, uh, Orioles, and the Rangers are top three in the American League. No one expected either of these three teams to be as good as they are, especially I was looking at the run differential. The Rays are first in run differential, and they're first by like, what is that, 30, 40? They're, they're first by 40 runs. That's, that just shows how dominant they've been the, the early part of the season. And uh, one other team I was, I was going to talk about is, uh, oh, yeah, I was thinking of Cody Bellinger and how good he's been for the Cubs. 
I was really hoping the Braves would take a stab at him in the offseason, but uh, it didn't come that way. We all looked at his contract and we're like, sure, you could have him for what was it, 11, 15, something? 15, 17. 17 million a year. We all laughed at the contract, but he's proven us all wrong at the moment as he's batting. Let's see where it is. I've just seen it. But he, I know he's knocking the cover off the ball early in the season. He's batting 300 with a 934 OPS. A lot better than anybody thought he could do. But just overall, good to see Belly back to MVP-ish form. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all I have in baseball. And I know we have the NBA playoffs going on. So I'm going to let Evan and Jackson run with this part of the story. So let's roll with it, Evan. Uh, we're running a little long, so I'll be quick. Uh, Celtics, Sixers, great series, tied 2-2. Two to two. Give the ball to Jalen Brown or he ends up being an Atlanta Hawk. We go out west, uh, Lakers-Warriors. Uh, sounds like it's an NBA Finals matchup since we got LeBron and Steph, but it's not. Also 2-1 matchup in favor of the Lakers. This series might go 7. I hope it does. It has all the makings of really some great star power. Let's skip over to the Suns-Nuggets. Nuggets go up 2-0. Suns tie it 2-2 two two in Phoenix, man. Uh, it's going to be a great series there, too. Devin Booker is being prime Michael Jordan, like unreal numbers. He's averaging like 36 points a game throughout the entire playoffs, not just the series. So I'm really excited to see what he does for the future, you know, as we get into game five, six, and seven. And if you go back east, the Miami Heat from the play-in beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round and then is up two to one over the Knicks in the second round. Uh, They could cruise into an ECF and, you know, maybe get lucky. They make another finals appearance. Coach Spo. I think has submitted himself as the best NBA coach right now. Nothing against Greg Popovich. I think he's the most legendary coach, and I think he probably is the best X's and O's guy still. But that team is not really competitive, really, for it to matter. So I'm going to name Coach Spo as the best coach in the NBA now. Fair enough. Uh, Like you said, we got a tied series 2-2 with the Sixers and the Celtics. I think that's going to be – I think this series has to go seven, how competitive it's been. Actually, it's not actually been that competitive because it's been blowout, 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 blowout. But let's talk about James Harden, how he's been. When Joel Embiid goes cold one night, James Harden picks it up and just decides to turn back the clock and score 48 and 8 like it's easy all of a sudden. But I guess that's why they pay him that much money. And then we'll go over to the Heat Knicks. It's 2-1. to Miami is at home tonight versus the Knicks. I think they'll go up 3-1 and eventually take that series. And then we got Warriors-Lakers. Uh, Lakers are up 2-1. They're playing in L.A. tonight. It should be a good one. I think this game has to go seven. The script, script writers have, won't let it go less than seven games. But I don't, I'm not sure who's going to win that one at the moment. Then we have uh, Suns-Nuggets. Nuggets go up 2-0, like you said. Suns get back two more games back-to-back. They're playing in Denver tonight. Should be a good one. But Devin Booker has been insane. He's averaging like 35. And then over the past uh, – Four games, he's averaging like 36 and a half on 70% shooting from the field, which is out of this world, and he's playing like the best player in basketball right now. All right. Well, do you have any other thoughts in the NBA? Uh, no. All right. Well, let's move on to one last thing, and I want to talk about the PGA Championship, which is next week. And I don't know if we'll have time to do a podcast, so we're getting run over that. I want you all to go ahead and start getting your picks for it while I give mine. It is at Oak Hill Country Club this year in Rochester, New York. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my pick, and I will give you my hot take as well with it. I am going to roll with... I actually hadn't even done... I'll go with 
Colin Morikawa getting back on track. He has kind of struggled lately. He is sitting here at plus 2,200, but, I mean, it's Colin never hit a bad shot. Morikawa, I think he can do it. He's been putting much better than normal lately. I think he can do it at plus 2,200. But I'm going to go ahead and give him a hot take, and my boy Davis Riley has is sitting at plus 10,000 odds to win. Now, I do not think he wins, but I think he has a top 10 finish this week. He started off really, really good at the end of last season, ended up struggling at the beginning of the season. He's starting to pick it up, playing really good golf again. He ended up winning the uh, the tournament down in uh, New Orleans. The team, I can't even think of what it's called. They had two weeks ago, the team match play, whatever they have. And um, I just think he has a top 10 finish this week. I don't know the odds for that. It's probably somewhere around plus 500. But give me Davis Riley to finish top 10 is my hot take. What is your pick to win it, Jax? Uh, Evan. You stole mine. I was going to go Morikawa. I think he does get back on track. Uh, Oak Hill is a really great course, but you got to hit the fairways, man. Morikawa, that's his, that's his bread and butter. He keeps himself in contention by not making bad shots. I know putting's a little bit of a problem with him, and the green shouldn't be that bad. I think Morikawa gets back in the right track, and he – Gets a, I'm going to say come from behind win on Sunday uh, to secure the PGA Championship. Uh, my pick for the PGA will be Roy, Rory McIlroy. I feel like when the majors roll around, Rory just uh, turns up and his intensity level goes through the roof, and he always plays well at the majors, and I think he gets it done in a few weeks. All right. Well, I have already gave my bold prediction, so do either of y'all have? Uh, I'll go ahead and go. I think the Warriors-Lakers is a very competitive series as we're getting LeBron James versus Steph Curry. We knew it was going to be a great series. But I think the winner of this series will go on and win the finals this year. I think I think these teams – I think the Lakers are playing out of their mind. LeBron doesn't even – years past, he's had to carry his teams all the way to the finals. This, this year, he's sitting back averaging his 23, maybe 20 points. But Anthony Davis is playing – like a freak on the defensive end, averaging about 27. And then he has a lot of shooters around him. Uh, let's see. Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves has been D'Angelo Russell has been amazing in this Warrior series. And I think the winner of that, and always, of course, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins on the other side are great players. And when the lights shine the brightest, Steph Curry always gives you the best number. So the winner of this series will go on and win the NBA Finals. All right. Evan, do you have one? Yeah, so two things. Um, first off, I'd like to start off with, uh, like I said earlier, I do think Spencer Strider throws either combined or a solo no-hitter sometime this season. I think he's just too good to not reach that feat. But my big, bold prediction, uh, it's twofold. I'm going to take the Sixers to win this series over the Celtics. And I'm going to have Jalen Brown being traded this offseason. I don't know where to. I would love Atlanta. I would love Atlanta. I think it makes the most sense. Trey Young straight up for No, I don't think that would happen. Um, I think I would love that, but I think Jalen Brown leaves the Celtics. All right. Well, I mean, I'd like to see him in a Hawks uniform. I'd like to see Trey Young not in a Hawks <laughs> uniform. So, <laughs> sounds good to me. All right. Well, does anybody have any last words? Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there this weekend. There you go. All right. Well, go Braves, go Hawks, and go Falcons.